Paul Metzel, host of radio show here on AM 950, the Walt Power Radio Hour. It's great. Uh, I'm not sure what else he does, but he's kind enough to join us today to talk about, well, everything he does, his great music, his great writing, and his big show coming up tomorrow. Hi, Paul. How are you, my friend? I'm doing good, man. I'm stumbling around on 46 in Chicago, trying not to get run over by a car. But enjoying always talking to my buddy Matt McNeil. Hey, you were talking to uh, you and I have got a mutual friend Brian Oak there. Uh, you were you were chatting with Oak there for a while there today, right? What's that? You were talking to Brian Oak, or uh, I know Brian. So you, oh you're yeah, ta- we just got out of there. I busted out of there. I'm I'm enjoying my 15 minutes of fame. Oh, you're so well deserved though, and it should have happened a lot longer ago. If I can be honest with you, uh, you got the nice write up in the Star Tribune. You got, uh, of course, you're getting a lot of press here, and this has a lot of it to do with what's coming up here tomorrow. Well, and it's something we talked about during the holiday show, which is you've got your uh, the, the 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 big shindig here coming up with your your book uh, that is going to be happening tomorrow. Let's let's get that information out of the way right now. It's going to be over. You're over at the uh, Women's Club Theater tomorrow the, evening, right? The Women's Club, right on. Uh we call it Loring Park, and uh, it's going to be a constant conversation. It will be hosted by uh, former current radio host Andrea Swenson. She's also written some books. Yes. Lovely, brilliant woman. So we're going to talk for a set. Then we're going to take a little break, drink some vino, and then come back, and I'm going to be joined by uh, my longtime harmonica player, Sonny Earl, and my longtime vocalist, Mary Harris. So we're going to, uh, it's going to be conversa- a conversation and concert, and we're really looking forward to it. Well, and and, and should mention uh, that, uh, by the way, and I met, I, we interviewed Andrea Swenson here on the air as well with one of her books. Uh, so th- this is going to be there, and it, it sounds like a fantastic uh, you know night here. The main focus we do want to ma- mention is the book you and I talked about over the holidays, your great new book, Alphabet Jazz. Yes, it's, it's actually getting a great response. Uh, we're going to have copies, of course, to sign them there. You can also get it on Amazon or at the Electric Fetus. But, uh, it's, uh, yeah, it's been really fun. It, the book is developing a little head of steam, and uh, people are enjoying it. And if those, uh, those of you, I think you read the John Bream article, he really got a kick out of it. It's a, it's a you know, it's like it says, Alphabet Jazz, poetry, prose, stories, and songs. So it's my writing in about four different styles. And uh, it's probably one of the few books that was released this year that has two or three pieces written by canines. Both my rescue dogs contributed to the book. Well, and and it, it as we talked about before, it, it's just you you're you're a great storyteller, you're a great writer, and so it just pours out of you. And it, and it, and it's something that is it's an enjoyable as a Minnesotan. You know, it just resonates, and 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 I just I love that I love that element of your writing. I love that element of your music. It is just something that feels like a, a nice warm blanket that keeps well, I'm you comfortable. Glad you enjoy it. It's uh, yeah. It's you know I'm a I live back up in Duluth now. I'm a lifelong Minnesotan, and uh, God, I'm so proud of uh, of Tim Walsh in the in the House and the Senate. I mean, what's a better state to live in right now politically than Minnesota? Oh, I, it's, it, it really is funny to, to watch how Republicans, if you elect them, this is what's going to happen. Yeah. I'm still here. You're still there. Are you still there? God, man, I can't hear you very well. I wonder if 
Patrick can turn it up. I'll tell you what. Let's put him on hold. We'll get this break in right now. Let's put him on hold here and see if we can, uh, you know, kind of get this all set up a little bit better here. Paul Metza, kind enough to join us with his big event coming up. 952-946-6205. 952-946-6205. Take a break. Come on back. The Matt McNeil Show right here on AM 950. AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota, the Matt McNeil Show. Paul Metz, uh, kind enough to join us uh, as he's got a big concert coming up here tomorrow. Uh, it's a it's an interview and concert over at the Women's Club Theater uh, talking about his book, Alphabet Jazz, as well as a little music as well. It's tomorrow night, 730. Make sure you go to that if you can. Paul, uh, you, you can hear me now good? Yeah, I can hear you a lot better now that I turn my phone up. <laughs> there you go, no problem. Uh, how is you, you said you're up in Duluth? My gosh, this has been a brutal winter for you guys up there with the snow. Oh, it, it it's never ending. But uh, I don't know if we talked about it the last time we were on. But the first year I was here, I rented the first floor of Bob Dylan's childhood home, mm-hmm. and uh, so it was a great way. We had a lot of snow last year, but it was fun because. It was, uh, oh, I bet while I was there, part of my renter's duties were manning the guest books. So there was maybe 70, 75 parties from five countries and around the world. They'd knock on my door, wanted to take pictures. And uh, so I'd have them sign and date the guest book and say where they're from. And then occasionally if I had some CDs sitting around, I would give them one of my CDs, uh, essentially uh, becoming uh, Jehovah's Witnesses in reverse. <laughs> <laughs> hey, what was what was what, what, how many so was was that like 75 total or how how many how often a week would uh, someone come by the place oh well when i was there i mean there's people that would come by from sun up to sundown and wow. they were all really nice i mean couples retired couples in rvs uh teenagers from wisconsin youth camps people in town for a wedding or whatever and so they're all driving by you could just plug in on your phone, Bob Dylan's child at home, and it'll take you right there. And so um, it was really exciting. And that's where I, when I came from uh, northeast Minneapolis, where I lived for 20 years, and then 20 years in south Minneapolis before that, I had scads and scads of uh, ideas and poems and pieces of prose and song lyrics. And I spread them all over the floor. And, uh, at one point, I just looked at him and I said, I think I've got enough stuff for a book. So it took me about a year to put it all together and put some sort of order and form to it. So I self-published it uh, last year, and I've really been excited about uh, how, how people are responding to it. Yeah, how do you write... Are you one of those writers that basically says, you know what, I'm going to dedicate four hours on this Thursday. I'm going to sit down and I'm going to just write. And no matter what comes out, I'll just put it on paper. Or are you one of those people where the writing for you, the words come to you while you're in the grocery store? And all of a sudden it's like, oh, gosh, grab my, no- grab my notes on my iPhone and type in this as, as quickly as I can. How, what kind of writer are you, do you feel? Uh, when, I got, when I got my deal for my first book, Blue Guitar Highway, that the University of Minnesota Press put out in 2011, and they are re-releasing it this spring or summer in paperback. Uh, I got they gave me enough uh, money to put about four or five months aside. So, excuse me, my my drives walk away. So um, that just hold on. 
So what I did uh, for that was I woke up every day at 9, take the dog out, put some coffee on, right to noon, made lunch, took the dog out, right till 5, uh, took the dog out, came back right to midnight, every day, seven days a week for four or five months. And at the end of that, I had about 500 pages, which they edited down, called it down to about uh, 279 pages. Uh, with this book was a little different because I would write it whenever I felt like it. And so this was more, I did write some new pieces for the book, but this was more just putting together whatever I had. How I write songs is, Matt, is, um, for example, uh, years ago I was driving up to the Iron Range and uh, I looked to my left right around, oh, Cotton or so, and I saw this beautiful sunset. And this title came to me, Stars Over the Prairie. So I got up to our cabin on Lake Vermilion. I brought my guitar down to the front dock on Wakema Bay, and I wrote the song in about, oh, maybe 45 minutes. I'm really a kind of a writer that writes by inspiration. I've tried, uh, I, I was a journalist for a while for my home, for the hometown focus, the weekly newspaper out of Virginia, Minnesota. But man, that writing on deadline was just, uh, it's, it wasn't my bag. Mm -hmm. So I find, I just, uh, I wait for the inspiration and I grab a pen and whatever paper or bar napkin is next to me and start jotting it all down. You know, what's interesting about that is I, I have read from people who have done this. Uh, there was a stand-up comedian who's, who basically rented out for three months an office and like a regular business person who went in there at nine o'clock in the morning, worked, took lunch, worked to the afternoon and just spent the time writing comedy, actually going into an office and doing it. He said by the time he got to the end of the three months, he had years worth of jokes that he could go on tour with. <laughs> but what he said is his best jokes never came from that session, that they came like you, that you basically all of a sudden something he observed, something that was on the street, there was a joke that came to mind and he had to write those down there. He said that you can be productive and you can make a lot of great stuff there, but really for the artistic types and the creative types that the best writing that they do are the ones, as you just described, where there's a sunset and just something clicks and it, and it comes, just pours out of you. Yeah. That's how I, that's how my best stuff comes. Like when I wrote my song, Jack Ruby, uh, I was reading in the uh, Minneapolis Tribune about Jack Ruby's brother was selling some of Jack's artifacts. And I had watched with my mother when I was six or seven, Jack Ruby shoot uh, Lee Harvey Oswald on television, which is really, when you look back, that was probably the first reality TV show. And so that was such a, a momentous moment in my life and millions of other Americans. And uh, over the years, I was so intrigued. I studied the uh, JFK assassination. I had 15 or 20 books on it. I've been to Dealey Plaza twice. And I just, uh, so I read this article and it said that Jack's brother was selling some of Jack's artifacts, including his Kavanaugh hat. And boom, Matt, it came to me. Jack Ruby, Jack Ruby in a Kavanaugh hat. Whoever taught you to shoot a pistol like that, you snuck in a basement, you stood in the back. Jack Ruby, Jack Ruby in a Kavanaugh hat. That that was just that came to my radar, and that was you know the Supreme Commander handed it down and said, "Kid, here you go. This is something to work with." So that night, I I put all my fifteen or twenty books on the floor, and by nine o'clock in the morning, I had twelve verses. I needed one line. I called my good friend, the late great 
uh, journalist David Carr. I needed one line. He said, stock and trade. I plugged that in, and uh, I had the tune done by I probably went in the studio that afternoon mm-hmm. and did the first demo of the song, which I was able to debut a few months later at Farm Aid 5 at Texas Stadium, right outside of Dallas, Texas, five miles from Dealey Plaza, uh, in front of 20,000 unsuspecting Texans. <laughs> wow. What a good, that's I, lived a... To, I lived to tell the story. I got out, <laughs> I got out alive. <laughs> well, you, but you, you, the, the turnaround on that is amazing. Um, were they angry? Were they angry with you about the song? I imagine I, that's, was, a, that's um, a great song. It was kind of a mixed bag. <laughs> you know, it was, uh, you know, there's still a lot of guilt in Dallas. Oh, yeah. Oh. And, uh, uh, but there was a, a buddy of mine, Tommy Latimer, who was uh, budding up, hanging out with me, took a picture of two Dallas cops beaming up at me. On the, I was on the Jumbotron, and you could just tell by their looks in their eyes if they could grab that Yankee and get him in a dark alley after the show. It wasn't be going to be good for the Yankees. Oh. So, <laughs> you, what I do in those ahead. situations, when I've had those trying situations, when I'm looking for an answer, I always ask myself, what would Woody Guthrie do? Mm-hmm. And of course, I had to play the song. Of, of course, I, you know, it, Guthrie was such a rebel for his, you know, such as, you know, you know, he would, if you got mad at him, he'd play louder. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, no, he uh, he's one of my my big heroes. I was uh, somebody sent a tape of mine to Nora Guthrie, Woody Guthrie's daughter, who was putting together the Woody Guthrie archives. And uh, I was at a point in my life I needed something to do, so I thought I'm going to go to move to New York City and meet Nora Guthrie, which I did. So I was uh, honored to be there when they were just putting the archives together, which is now housed down at the Woody Guthrie Center in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Uh, right next to the the newer Bob Dylan Center in Tulsa. So I would see all of these writings that people had, that they had, that Woody, um, somehow they ended up with it as they were coming together. There's a great book out now, uh, the latest one that Nora and her daughter Annie Canoni put out. Uh, Woody Guthrie is writings, poems, songs, and drawings. And it's just like, for me, you know, Woody Guthrie, whether it's Bound for Glory or this new book, it's like the New Testament for me. It's just, you can, this new book, you just pick out a piece and read it, and that's, that's the only inspiration you'll need uh, for the rest of the day. Mm. Uh, does, it, does it make you curious? I mean, I, I know you and I think we talked about this a little bit. You know, Woody Guthrie, Bob Dylan, Tulsa, Oklahoma. I mean, I just... You know, it's not that, I mean, I know that when when Guthrie was around, I mean, he was speaking to the people going on out there, but the modern world that we live in, uh, you know, Tulsa, Oklahoma is not exactly the the place for, you know, free speaking kind of, you know, you know, you know, liberalism that, that, that kind of was portrayed there in a lot of music, uh, their music. And I, I, I'm always a little surprised that that's, that's where those places ended up. Well, it's a, it's a, it's a easy answer, Matt. Mm. It was Kaiser oil money. And uh, Woody uh, grew, was born and grew up in Okima, Oklahoma. Kaiser Oil Money wanted to redo Tulsa, and uh, so they put together a phenomenal. I haven't been there. I'll tell you next what's what's happening. My next great adventure. Uh, but they've got just a beautiful 
facility down there of all of his artifacts. And then, uh, uh, and then about that opened about three years ago. And then the Bob Dylan Center opened up, uh, right around the corner from it. The same people run, run both centers. And, uh, I actually, uh, I've got another book coming out with, that I wrote, co-wrote with a guy named Rick Shevchik, who's a, uh, originally from Duluth, but he's a Minneapolis-based writer. He's written 10 books. He wrote a great book called Everybody's Heard About the Bird, about 60s Minnesota rock and roll. So he and I teamed up on it, and we've got a book coming out September 12th by the University of Minnesota Press, the same uh, publisher that published my autobiography, Blue Guitar Highway, called Blood in the Tracks, the Minnesota Musicians Behind Dylan's Masterpiece. And now since you and I last spoke, um, I've been invite. We've been invited to go down there and discuss the book. They also want me to play a set of my original music at the Bob Dylan Center in Tulsa, Oklahoma. And for this Iron Range folks, there, it don't get any better than that. Ugh, that's that, that sounds awesome. Uh, it, of course, Paul Metz is joining us right now. Uh, they've got his big event coming up tomorrow. I got to go back to something you said just quickly though. You used to write for the Masabi Daily News up in Virginia. No, it's the the family, the Asbot family that used to run the Masaba Daily News, uh, started a new weekly about 15 years ago called Hometown Focus. Uh, comes out every week, and um, but it's kind of the same family. It's a really good newspaper. It's uh, so I wrote for them. In fact, it was probably about three or. There's a big old bus coming by, taking the school kids home. Uh, three or four of the pieces that ended up in Alphabet Jazz actually had their genesis in the hometown focus. So I owe them a debt of gratitude for the new book. What was your, what was your beat? <laughs> or was there no? It was just whatever was going on at that day. It, it, my beat was what's well, been my beat for the last forty years, Matt. Whatever the hell Paul Metzler wanted to write about or do. <laughs> I've been fortunate like that. I mean, it's not, trust me, it's, uh, I don't, you know, I don't have millions of dollars in the bank, but I've uh, managed to, you know, put out 12 records, put out now two, three books to be seen, you know, done my 5,000 gigs, won enough awards, um, had a day named after me in Minneapolis, courtesy of Jacob Fry. So in spite of the vagaries of the economics of, "Quote unquote showbiz." I feel like I've done okay. Oh, you've done magnificent, and it's you know, it, to a point, it's almost kind of. I got to pinch myself. I'm getting. I get a chat with you, and you know, and we have very real conversations because we can relate to a lot of things together. But I mean, it, it, you also. I don't think I'm unique. I think that you are one of those people that you can walk into a room. And no matter who's in that room, whether that's another musician, whether that's a fan, whether that's just someone you're seeing on the street, you you are able to create that instant bond, which that is that's a rare talent to have indeed. Well, you know what I uh, you know my uh, Wall of Power Radio Hour, which I'm so was so honored when uh, Chad uh, asked me to do the show on AM 950 is celebrating its ninth anniversary, yeah. like right around now, and. I, I bump into a lot of people. In fact, I bump into people at coffee shops, and they go, do I know you? And I said, uh, and Paul Metz, go, oh, yeah, I listen to your radio show because they know the sound of my, my voice. And uh, But people ask me, they said, how did you get to be uh, 
such a good interview. And I said, because I've been talking to strangers at bars for 40 years. It's how you do it. I mean, Malcolm Gladwell, the, 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 he, he's, he's exactly right. You just do that enough. You actually show interest in people. And you want to know the truth is that is becoming a lost freaking art because people, it is interesting to watch the generation today that has grown up with screens and staring at screens and text messages and stuff. The idea of actually sitting in a bar and talking with someone for three hours about nothing that that is not something that you know a lot of people do like our generation did yeah you know that 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 was you know a way for you know we didn't have the internet we just this is how you went and communicated and mountain people well you know i mean we've all we've all gone out for dinner right yeah and sat down with your friends or your family or your date and you'll see a family of four or five sitting across from you and they're all on their cell phones. Yep. None of them are talking to each other. It drives me insane. Oh, it it does, and it's it. There was, or, or and even before the cell phone, I went off. I was at a. Um, I don't think they were around anymore, so I can say it. I, it was a the it was a, the the Minnesota Steakhouse or Timber you know Timberlodge Steakhouse or whatever it was. And the, the, I don't think the chain exists anymore. And I went into the location that was in St. Louis Park, and we were out with the kids that night. And we're sitting there, and we always enjoy talking. And I looked around at every other table, and of course they had five thousand TVs in there, and every family member is just staring at a different TV. And I'm like. I don't like this place. I, I I like places. I like places like Mancini's where you can go in there and basically you're just talking. You got the table. You got the people. That's what you're dealing with. Just deal with it. That's what you're going with. And I think that that yeah, that, no, it's uh, conversation really has become a lost art. What I really enjoyed about putting Alphabet Jazz together and writing my fo- first book, Blue Guitar Highway, and then writing whether it's writing songs or writing poetry is I love language, and I love being able to work with it in whatever way I can, but I also love people that are very well-spoken. I love, you know, I I go on YouTube a lot, and I love to listen to Richard Burton on talk shows, right? (laughs) Uh, I just love people that have a command of language, and uh, because language, it's a lot of fun, well, it, it is, and I think it is such a lost art. It's becoming a lost art because even today, when you talk about talk shows, and nothing against it, I think there are some very good talk show hosts out there, but it's not like it used to be where you had these guys and you came on and you were having 15, 20-minute conversations as opposed to what you get now, which are seven minutes. We're mainly talking about the movie or the TV show or the book or whatever the case is, and it really doesn't deviate from the set question list. I always appreciated guys that you clearly could see were, were kind of going into it blind and just asking questions as it went. Well, you know what's great? You know, a couple of other guys I love watching, and there's several clips on Letterman on YouTube, Peter O'Toole and Richard Harris. Uh. You know, true storytellers, great cadence, great little voice, great accents, but they knew how to tell a story. Because, Matt, you know, what you do, what I do in a way, as soon as the cavemen got out of the cave, <laughs> they built a fire and they started to tell stories. Yeah, no, it, it, and and I I have found that the the easiest thing for me to do is interview someone because I don't have to talk. 
<laughs> you do generally. I can ask you a question. You're fantastic. By the way, you are a fantastic freaking guest. I will ask you a question, and eight minutes later, I'll ask my next one. <laughs> then I love that because <laughs> because that's just natural and it's flowing and it's entertaining. And I much rather do that. I mean, it's, if I'm having a guest on the air, that's the point. I, I'll even go. I'll take uh, John Cleese and Michael Palin. If you ever saw those guys when they're on Monty Python go on to talk shows and talk, they were brilliant on discussing why they the jokes they made and why they stood by them. I always was so impressed by them. Oh, but love Monty love Monty Python. You know the other thing, Monty Python and uh, uh, the Firesign Theater. It's like where are those groups of I don't even know what the is it Gen X Gen Z, I don't even know what the Gen Y, but where are the young comedy troops? I mean, there's a ton of young comedians, but I mean comedy troops where three or four or five uh, people would get together and create comedy. I guess the last one I can remember was Kids in the Hall. Yeah. I've, I've, Another lost art. Well, and there have been a few, but they don't, they're not like, they're not like they used to be because, and you, you could do those things with, you know, like Kids in the Hall was brilliant and they were so good. And But you're right. It, it's, that is something, it seems to be far more like we just need a, we have the showcase on SNL. But not that's where it goes. It doesn't go there. And then it, as opposed to doing a, a, a troupe, they're going to basically just do movies off of SNL. That seems to be the, the, the mode of operation now. And maybe it's because as well, the amount of opportunities, whether it's Hulu, Netflix, Amazon, all these other streaming services, there's so much out there. They don't really have the patience for a comedy troupe. They just want to basically just keep putting out crap movies. Yeah, no, it's... Uh, uh it's it's you know there's a dearth uh, of of really good stuff. That's why you know I mean I uh, sometimes I I feel bad because a lot of the music I listen to, whether it's Miles Davis or Joni Mitchell or Bob Dylan, I go man I've been listening to this for fifty years. But uh, but the reason why I do it was really good. Now I listen to some new stuff. I don't really listen to the radio. They auto tune. It sounds like it, I feel like I'm on helium <laughs> after I listen to, you know, modern music with that. But um, that's what's important when you do find a new voice, an original voice uh, to pay attention to. There's one show I really enjoy. Have you seen uh, Poker Face on Netflix? Uh, not seen that one on Natasha oh, Leone. Feel Max. No, it's, eight, uh, it's yeah. really good. It's about this this woman that's got a uh, uh, photographic memory, and she can tell when people are lying. And it's got a little bit of Columbo. It's got some really good star turns, really good scripts. But it's the first TV show I've seen in a long time that's really unique. I mean, mm -hmm. there's just really too much TV. And we've, I am as guilty as anybody. I've seen more NBC datelines than I know what to do with. <laughs> um, but, you know, it's just like, that's it. Listen to yourself. Now, go home tonight and read a book. Read a newspaper, you know. Um, I'm with you. I'm with you. Do something. Get I'm, off the goddamn boob tube. I'll tell you what. I'm with you. I listen to BB King's Bluesville. A lot of that. I listen to the great blues artists. I love them. I think it's one of my favorite things. And I mean, I do enjoy stuff like Alone, where it's sovereign citizens abandoned in the wilderness. But you know, it's kind of you know, that's there's very little that I do watch on a regular basis. We got to go because we're running late already. I do want to go through this all again. Tomorrow, the Women's Club Theater, uh, 410 Oaks Grove Street in Minneapolis. Minnesota legend Paul Metza celebrates his brand new book, Alphabet Jazz. Uh, tickets are available. I'll put a link to that all up tonight. Go and see this. 
Paul, you and I could do hours of shows, man. I, I absolutely love I love the, the press you're getting. I love the accolades you're getting. Well-deserved. All my best. I look forward to seeing you tomorrow night, my friend. Thanks, man. Thanks for having me on. All right. Take care. Let's get this final break in really quick and then uh, come back. It's the Matt McNeil Show right here on AM 950. Do you have a car you no longer need but don't?